Welcome back to the Pre-PT Grind Podcast. Before we begin, we would like to say thank you to all of our followers for their endless support. We would also like to thank those of you who have taken part in our Pay It Forward essay exchange and left us review on our Pre-PT Grind Facebook page. Now, due to our team's staffing, the demand for essay reviews, and our desire to continue growing in order to better serve you, we will be charging a fee of $17 for unlimited essay reviews from this point forward. If you would like to take part, please email us your PT essays for review at preptgrind at gmail.com. We also kindly ask that you give us a Facebook review after we have served you at facebook.com slash the preptgrind. Thank you once again for all of your support. Enjoy the episode. What's up, everybody? This is Casey and Joseph here with another episode of the Pre-PT Grind podcast. This is where we help you decide, prepare, and transform into becoming not only the best DPT student you can be, but also the best future physical therapist you can be. On this episode, we have our good friend from Smart Success PT, Mr. Andrew Tyler Nieberg, aka ATK. What's going on, ATK? How you doing? Good, man. I, I'm just honored to be on this podcast. Just really looking forward to it. I'm just thankful that you that you guys let me do this and uh, I'm really looking forward to this. It's our pleasure, man. As you guys heard from Casey, Andrew is a friend of ours from Smart Success PT. We've spoken about SSPT before and our mentor, Greg Todd, and it's a pleasure. No, I'm, I'm honored, guys. So we, let's, we'll start from the top, man. You are a physical therapist now, a little over a year, correct? A year and three months. Year and three months, man. Still loving it, huh? <laughs> man, I'd say the first year has, first year and three months has flown. Like, yeah. I, I still feel like I just took the boards and graduated, so. And I just graduated, so, I, so I'm sure it'll be the same for me, man. But, but how did you, how did you find PT? Like, what, what led you to physical therapy? What, what started you on this journey? Well, it, it all started off when I was taking, in high school, I took a sports medicine class slash athletic training class. We were doing a bunch of like taping of the ankles and knees and shoulders and things like that. And you've got to do some observation hours like on the field. I thought to myself, you know, this is really interesting working with athletes and getting to see how they recover from injuries, getting them in the training room and things like that. And then, you know, I started doing some Google searches and seeing some fields that maybe and honestly paid a little bit more than an athletic trainer did and had a little bit better hours. Um, and, you know, I, I came across PT and then I started volunteering at different clinics. And it actually wasn't until I think I volunteered at five or six different clinics. And it wasn't until that, that fifth or sixth clinic where I found a really good environment and a really good mentor, physical therapist that I volunteered for and taught me a lot. That's where I really, really fell in love with physical therapy and and actually that's where I work today. So, um, full circle. Oh shoot. Like you worked at that place. Yeah. I, I actually volunteered first and then I became like a PTA or a rehab tech, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. And, and that was back in uh, 2012. And then I did one of my clinical rotations there. And then now I work for that same company. So small world. Oh, let's, let's dig deeper into that. So how, how did you end up volunteering? Were, were you like the best volunteer they have ever seen? Uh, then they hired you. Then you uh, just loved it so much <laughs> that you were like, man, let me do a clinical rotation here and see if I can keep this ball rolling. How did, how did that series of events happen? Well, yeah, like I said, I, I found a bunch of different clinics in the area. And honestly, just because I was told to volunteer in a bunch of different settings. So I did some outpatient, did some, 
some a little bit of neuro, a little bit of hospital, just to kind of get my my hours in. But I, I knew that I always kind of wanted to do outpatient. It just that that just seemed more interesting to me. And no, I started volunteering there, and then he said, "Man, you're doing a really good job." And they hired me on as a tech, and I just honestly busted my butt and just you know wiping tables, you know doing laundry, folding stuff, you know getting the tens unit off patients, and, and just trying to do the best I could. And then in that time, my my the therapist who was there, who's my boss now taught me all these different things. And of course I didn't really know what he was talking about because I wasn't even in physical therapy school, but those same things that he taught me back then, I was just trying to learn as much as I could because this guy was a really good teacher and really cared about people, you know, just like me now. And like you guys are doing, it's just, it's just all awesome stuff. And I just really love the environment. And yeah, eventually I came on for my first clinical rotation with him and then, then uh, hired me on. I, I guess he thought I was awesome. I don't see it myself, but uh, I try to be the best I can. <laughs> so. Man. And I didn't even realize how, how valuable it was to have a good mentor. And I and you spotted that right away. Uh, so being in that environment, being able to learn from him, obviously you have Greg on top of that, Greg Todd. And so you have the dynamic duo as mentors. Uh, but that's a really good situation to be in. Uh, one that, I'm not going to lie, man, I would have loved to be in a situation like that where you really do understand the culture of the environment. I mean, of the location you're in, you're able to develop the relationships necessary. And they saw all of you, man. So there's nothing about you that really surprises them now. And I think that's why uh, with Pre-PT Grind, when we're talking about observation hours, uh, where people are going to do their observation hours, we really do talk about showing them your best. Because I remember a few times where when I was doing my observation hours, there were a few pre-PT students who just sat around waiting for someone to say, hey, can you do this? Or, hey, can you do that? Or, hey, come here and watch this. And, and, and stepping outside of that and just being like, okay, I'm going to be intentional about everything I do here, uh, whether it's the relationships I develop, whether it's how hard I work. Because at the end of the day, you want them to say, okay, Andrew was good. Like, whatever he did here, whether they're doing a recommendation for you to get into PT school or whether it ends up being a job. Like, we remember this kid. Like, he was, he was excellent at what he did here, and we loved having him around. Um, and that's really the golden ticket. If someone can really hone that in and potentially land an opportunity like you did, that's, that's definitely a win. Yeah, you have to, like Joseph said, you have to give it your all, and you have to show them the real you and your real personality. And, you know, I get a lot of, a lot of volunteers that come in our clinic today and have in the past, and then I've, I did this myself at the beginning of my volunteer, and I sat there with my arms crossed and didn't act interested. And, you know, I finally learned, like after someone told me, look, hey, you got to be interested. You got to be focused and willing to learn and just mm -hmm. make constructive criticism. And if you really do those things and then pair yourself with on a, with your observation hours with someone who's really interested in like teaching you all, all these different things and how to interact with patients. I mean, that's, that's the best situation to be in for sure. I agree. I agree. Now I, ha I have a question about that. So did you, were you approached about taking the PTA job or did you uh, send in a resume or did you ask about it? How did that process go? So, what what happened was, you know, I came from my, I was a tech there and I, with that same company, I went off to physical therapy school and then I did my first rotation there. And, you know, after I did my first rotation, you know, my, my boss or my clinical instructor at the time, you know, he, he made it clear to me, he was like, Hey, you know, we really like you. I know it's your first rotation, but you're always welcome to come back here and do like more volunteer hours or like teching 
trying to make a little bit extra money during school. And just because we saw, you know, who you are as a person and your personality, we really like you. We want, we want you to kind of come back when you can on your breaks during PT school. And, you know, he said, you know, I know it's kind of early, but eventually we would love for you one day to come work here. And, you know, at that time I was like, yeah, yeah, you know, just let me keep my options open. And, you know, I, I could fall, I always joke with him said, you know, I could fall in love with working at a hospital or working at a skilled nursing. And there's nothing wrong with those settings at all. Like I actually thought I was going to hate my skilled nursing rotation, but I actually loved it. Yeah, that, that's kind of how he approached me. And, you know, eventually, as soon as I graduated, you know, my took my boards and I graduated, he, he was like, hey, you know, we'd love to offer you a job. And it wasn't a surprise because he already kind of, you know, hinted at that along the way. But yeah. in my first year, I was thinking, yeah, yeah, just, just give us some time. But no, he, he was totally serious. So, I mean, take your rotation seriously. Take your observation hours seriously because that's how I got a job. Well, well, I love it. So, and being in the job search myself, Andrew, like, tell me, tell me if I'm getting this wrong, because, like, I think for me, like, especially with some of the job places that I've been seeing, and and one in particular that's kind of caught my attention um, in terms of just kind of the environment and and the relationships that I've developed, you know, with some of the individuals there. There's something pretty neat about starting a job somewhere where you feel. Like people already know you, people understand you. You don't have to prove anything to them. You just have to go in there, be yourself, and just work hard. Isn't that isn't that like a big load off your shoulders coming right out of school? Yeah, it's it's a really good feeling to know because when you go into an unfamiliar situation, say you take a job where you haven't done an internship at or you haven't done observation hours at, you have to kind of work your way into the environment and and, and adjust, and, and it can be a little uncomfortable at first, and you don't know the other clinicians. Yeah. And so when you go to ask them a question, you don't know how to approach them. And, but man, when you, when you have that relationship with that person and then other staff that have been there in the clinic, whether it's from your, all the way back from your volunteer hours, all the way up to your internships and then a, then a potential job one day, yeah. like if, if you know them already, it makes it so much easier. It didn't even feel like it was still a transition for me, but it didn't really feel like that tough of a transition. I just felt like I was an extension as I was a, as a student. Wow. So, I mean, that's, that's huge. That's golden, man. Let's go down. So for, for pre-PT students, and I know your situation was your, your situation was a little different, but for pre-PT students who are who are kind of looking to start looking into some clinics and observing and preparing for the application process of getting into PT school, what are a few things you would kind of tell them uh, that really worked for you in terms of that relationship building as well as just ways in which to act and, and how to approach that entire process to really kind of I mean, not guarantee that they'll have a job there, but really kind of leave an impression because whether you work somewhere or not, um, it is good to also develop those skill sets, period. Uh, so what would you say to them? I want to go, I, I know this might, this is going to be really deep, but I'm just being Make it deeper. Deeper. I'm, I'm Make it deep. really, really honest here. Um, if you're going to go and, and you're interested in physical therapy school or you're interested in doing observation hours and being interested in being a physical therapist one day, you better make darn sure that you really want to help people and you want to help people that are hurting and that you want to do it for the right reason and that you're not going into this field just because it's a safe, secure career. I mean, because it like physical therapy is a grind and it's very easy to get burned out. So number one, I wouldn't even like think about being a physical therapist or even applying to school or, or things like that until you, you know that this is something that you're interested, really interested in doing and that you really want to help people. Because if you don't have that, it's going to be a tough career as a physical therapist. I know that's a little blunt, but that's, that's just my perspective on that. But 
but back to your question, Joseph. Um, so as far as as far as acting, you know, and how to display yourself as a student, whether you're doing observation hours or volunteer hours or things like that, or an internship, it's it's very important that you, number one, you show up on time. That that's a real important thing. Because if you don't show up on time, then then ha- that just that's only going to translate, you know, to your current instructor or boss that you're not going to do that in the future. And then you want to make sure that they, obviously that you dress appropriately. You know, you don't want to, you want to be, you know, clean shaven, you know, make sure your hair looks good, make sure you're dressed good, clothes are iron, things like that. Because mm-hmm. this all translates to, to later when you're working. If that's how you are as a student, that's how you're going to be as a PT one day. Mm-hmm. Um, I think some other things that are important are to really just be willing to learn and be willing to accept constructive criticism. And you'll, have to do that throughout your observation or your volunteer hours and you know just always jump in always ask questions because if you sit there you know with your arms crossed and and you don't seem interested then that doesn't put a good impression on that the clinic that you're doing volunteer observation observation hours at so i think those are some really important things to to take into, into account so so on another note or kind of the same note did you ask your current employer and at the time, uh, physical therapist, you were observing for a letter of recommendation. Uh, since you volunteered at that same clinic, uh, they ended up hiring you as a tech or an aide. Did you take that opportunity to, uh, or that relationship that you already had with that physical therapist at the time to, you know, push it a little bit further and see if they can write you a letter of recommendation? And if so, uh, how did you go about that process? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like the, that same employer that I'd that I uh, worked for as a tech, I asked him for a letter of recommendation. And, and, you know, if you build a good relationship with some, someone and you really get close to them and, and those things I said previously, if, if you're on time and always willing to learn and you have that good relationship, then, then there's, there should be no issue with them wanting to write you a letter of recommendation. Actually, they'll probably be honored and happy that you asked them to, you know, but the, the key is, is that you have to really build that relationship first and really make sure they know you and trust you as a person. Because I feel like a lot of times when you ask for a letter of recommendation and you don't really have as good a relationship with them, it is a little bit awkward in how you ask it. But when it's someone that you know really well, it becomes as simple as like, hey man, like I'm applying to physical therapy school. I was wondering if if you could write me a letter of recommendation and they'll be glad to. But you know, if it comes to something where maybe you don't know the person as well or you have to get a physical therapist or like a old professor to write it for you, you know, you kind of have to go a different way about asking them, but the best way to do it in my opinion is, is in person. I'm big on doing things in mm. face to face versus like an email. Cause I mean, people get tons of emails every day. So I think it's a little bit unprofessional to ask them in like a text or an email. I would stick with face to face and just really make sure you, you, you let that person write in that letter or potentially write in that letter. Just let them know how much their opinion means to you uh, as, as they write about you and that, you know, you would really appreciate if, if they would do that for you. I, th- I think that's really key. All right. So, so moving on into the academic world, uh, Andrew, what, what PT school did you end up going to and what did you uh, decide on and, and how are your stats? And when I, when I say stats, uh, mm-hmm. like your GPA, uh, your GRE scores, you don't have to tell us the exact stuff, but were they good? Were they low? Did you have to struggle <laughs> to get in PT school or was it just a breeze for you? Well, that, this is a really, uh, 
I, I love talking about this subject. It kind of gets me fired up because me as a student, you know, in undergrad, I I was pretty average. You know, I was kind of right in the middle. Like I never had all A's all the time. It was usually like I hung around that 88, 89 to 92 area and all the way throughout school. And my my GRE scores weren't that great either. I Starting with the GRE, I actually had to see I, I took it three times because I really struggled with like the verbal scores and stuff and I think Matt Hodgins mentioned this as well mm-hmm. same person I really struggled with the verbal verbal part of it and the writing part of it but the the math I blew out of the water every single time so I actually had to take so I took the GRE the first time I did okay didn't really do that great the second time I took it I actually did a little bit worse and I was like listen I got to do something different so back then I actually paid nine hundred or a thousand dollars for one of those Kaplan like GRE courses Mercy. And, and that really helped me learn how to study and learn how to do better on the verbal part because that it, they just hit it hard in that course and and that investment really made me think okay if I'm putting this money in I really gotta you know bust my butt when it comes to studying for the GRE this time and then I, I think back then it was right when they were transitioning it from the on the on the 300 scale now yes um, so like you gotta get above a 300 to be like to meet the minimum for most schools. But back then, I think it was like when it was on the thousand scale. So it was like, I think a thousand or 1100 was, was okay. But I think I ended up getting an 11. I have no, no problem with sharing my scores at all. Um, I think I got like an 1160 or something, which I think translates to like a 308, which is not, which is pretty average. I mean, that that's a pretty average score. And then, then my my GPA when I graduated undergrad was I think it ended up being a three four three or a three four seven which these days is pretty average. A lot of students have a three seven three eight three nine. I was just never that kind of student. And when you take physics, biology, chemistry, and you throw all that in, that's that just becomes really tough. So um, that's what I applied to school with. And then the first time when I applied, and this is why I'm so glad that you guys are doing something like this. Because I, I personally could have used you guys back when I was like five years, century ago, it feels like. I could, have, I could have used you guys to really help me get into physical therapy school. So I'm just so glad you guys are doing this. But So the first time I applied to physical therapy school, I applied to four schools. And that's only because the GRE, after you took it, gave you four options of schools to choose. Or you can only choose four schools. So I said, oh, well, I need four. Great. And then that's all I thought I could apply to. Little did I know that you can actually send it off to more schools. So I was already kind of screwed in the first place as far as odds goes. And then I, I got, so I applied to four schools and then I got in an interview for one school and I didn't get in. And then the second time around, I was like, man, I really got to change my whole thought process and what I do and really step it up. So I retook mm-hmm. some classes and that I had C's in and I'm, made it up and got A's. So I think that's really important when applying to physical therapy schools that if you have C's or D's to retake those classes and do better. And that really shows to the, the programs that are looking at you. Um, but I applied actually to 17 schools the second time and I had six interviews and I got into one school, which was actually out of state and it was Tennessee State University, which is in Nashville. So that's, that's the whole process, man. It, yeah. 17 applications. And was the school that you finally got into one that you, you had wanted to get into or was it one of your galore options? So in my head, the, the school I wanted to get into was UAB in Birmingham, University of Alabama, Birmingham, or somewhere in state. 
it was not even on my radar. Honestly, I applied to schools just in the Southeast because I figured it's closer to home. Yeah. But, but you know, at, you know, when you're applying the second time around, I was just thankful I got into any school because, mm -hmm. and I think that's the way that pre-PT should be looking at is, you know, say, you know, you look at your higher caliber programs like University of Southern California, Duke, North Carolina, you know, if you don't get into your number one school, it is not the end of the world. You, you end up with the same degree. You, you end up, I mean, you might have a little bit more connections if you go to a school like Emory or, you know, Duke or something like that, but you end up with the same degree. You end up with the same quality job. Yep. Not that big of a deal. And I'm yep. sure you're preaching that all day, but yep. it is, I promise it, it is not a big deal. So if it, if it's accredited, it's a good school. Exactly. It's that simple. Yeah. So as far as the interview process goes, in your first time compared to your second application or cycle of applying, uh, what were some of the strategies that you changed or what are, this, what are some of the, the things that you did, how you altered your interview process and um, some other things in your application to make you a better candidate second time around? So some that one of the first things I did was I I actually practiced with like like my mom or my parents or my brothers and sisters and, and I actually practiced with them and I had them ask me some similar questions you know you, you're very basic common questions and just had just went over and over those again and again and and that really helps you and then you work on public speaking a little bit and that helps build your your confidence up because you, you want to appear confident, but you don't want to appear cocky because as soon as you start appearing cocky in, in, in an interview, that makes you seem really unattractive and like not a good candidate. So mm. that, that was probably the first thing I did. Um, I, another thing, and I, I won't delve too much into the story because um, I know this is more of a conversation, but I, I didn't really have the first time around, I didn't have too much confidence when I applied um, to those four schools. But between the first time and the second time of applying, I actually, because when I graduated undergrad, I was like 265 pounds or something. And when, when I applied the first time, I'd probably lost like 15 or 20 pounds. So I was going through a whole weight loss process. By the time I had my, my second round of interviews, the second time I applied, I was down, I think, probably 65 or 70 pounds. So just doing like workout programs and running and things like that. So I just had so much more confidence and like energy and aura about myself that I was just completely lost before. So I think that I know it's really personal to me, but you know, I think it's really important to obviously get a good amount of sleep before your interview and, and make sure you're in good shape. Cause that, that overall will just help in the whole process of things. But mm -hmm. those are really just the two big things that I did. I just practice, 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 and just make sure you're confident and you look sharp. I, I, I actually went out and got a new suit or a, yeah, a new suit and, and some new ties just because of the first interview, they were a little bit older, a little bit baggier. So just yeah. make sure, make sure you look sharp, make sure you show up on time, know where you're going, just, just have confidence, but you don't want to be cocky about it. So gotcha. now, now with these six interviews, was there anything uh, kind of crazy about one, anything, anything really different <laughs> about a certain one? Cause we're kind of at the time of this interview, Interview season is kind of picking up September, uh, going into late uh, September and into the coming months. So is there, we're getting some questions about some new type of interview processes like group interviews, um, taking a quiz for some people. So is there anything uh, special about any of your interviews? 
Yeah, it's funny you guys say that because the the school that I actually got into, Tennessee State University in Nashville, the way they did the whole interview process was that it was more like it was very weird. It was like speed dating. So basically, you had six to eight minutes. There were seven different interview stations, or two of them I think were students in the program, and five were faculty or professors. But there were seven or eight different stations, and you had six to eight minutes per, and you literally go in sit down, they'd answer, like, ask you two questions or something like that. Then someone would come by and knock on the door and be like, all right, all right, all right, all right next one, next one. And we just flip, 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 and there'd be people running down the hallways. And that was like the weirdest thing I've ever seen. But it was actually kind of cool because you get to meet all the different professors. And it was cool to get like in front of everyone's face. So that, that was definitely really cool. So if you had to give yourself some advice now or to some other people who have like 20 schools that have on their list uh, is there any advice you would give them on how to kind of narrow that down so they don't have to make that uh, financial contribution and have that stress of, you know, 15 to 20 schools on their mind and, and on their brain kind of stressing them out? Well, I would really make sure that uh, there, there's several things that I guess the first thing, and these are in no particular order, but the first thing is that if, if you have a geographical limit, I know for me it was like in the Southeast, but if, if you like really don't want to go to a if you're applying to a school in like South Dakota and you're like, eh, I don't really want to go to South Dakota, you probably shouldn't waste your time going there. And that's you wasting your money. Uh, first off, the, the other thing is, and I think this happens a lot when you're applying to schools and, and you'll see this and Joseph and Casey will help you guys out with this when, when you're applying to schools and things like that and going through PTCAST. And it's frustrating because a lot of different schools have different requirements. Like some have a, this GPA, some have a, this GRE minimum requirement, some don't require the GRE, some require two PT recommendation letters and a professor, some is one PT professor, and, and it's all different. So really make sure that these, say your 10 or 15, 20 schools you're applying to, you really want to meet every single requirement and make sure that you're going over it, you know, con you know go over it several times and make sure that you're not missing anything because if you're not meeting like one of their minimum requirements, you're done. Like they don't even consider you like you're, you're kicked off the list. So make sure you look out for those little things, you know, when you're applying to every single school and, and that can honestly geographically and then looking at the certain requirements that you may meet because you don't want to go take a, you know, an extra psychology class for just to apply to this one school. So you got to look at this from a, like Casey said, a financial point of view. So, you know, if, if you meet the, just make sure you meet the requirements and, and that should honestly narrow your schools down to 10 or 15. And that, that way you won't have to apply to 20, 25 different schools. Cause basically the, the way it works out is to my knowledge, at least when I applied, every school is about anywhere from 75 to $125 per school you apply to. So depending on application fees and stuff. So that can 20 schools is two grand. I mean, that's a lot that's of money. money. So especially when you're, unless you're grinding and working, that's not anything I could afford coming out of it. Oh, yeah. Got a lot of debt. That's it. Oh yeah. That's a lot. So people don't realize how much money it is. And so now as we conclude, Andrew, uh, we want you to speak to a younger version of yourself, man. And so looking back at a point where it could be before you were in PT school, before you even encountered the clinic that you now work for, um, just the point where you kind of were a little, you know, it could be clueless or just really in the beginning portion of your journey to where you are now. Uh, we just want you to kind of give a piece of advice that you feel that younger Andrew would really have valued 
if you knew then what you know now. Uh, the reason why we do that is because somewhere, uh, some, uh, someone's listening to this episode and they're saying, man, like that's me. And so whatever Andrew has to offer me, I would love to take it. So what would you say to the younger Andrew, man? Some advice that I would give to myself, if, if I could turn the tables and rewind back and redo this whole thing again, is I can't stress how important it is to work on yourself as a person. This whole process from starting in high school to undergrad to physical therapy school and then working a job, it is a lot of stress. It is a lot of pressure. You're going through so many different financial situations, life situations. I mean, 18, 18 to 27 is like where you change the most in your life. And I think it's so important, not only going through what you guys are going through right now as pre-PT students, but even carrying on, more importantly, just the whole and continuing the rest of your life. It's so important to work on yourself as a person. And, you know, you can do that by, I mean, I don't know if there's believers out there, people believe certain things or religions, but I think it's important to make sure you believe in something. I think it's important to like consistently read personal development and try to pick out some weaknesses, you know, in your life, whether it's, you know, communication, listening, public speaking, just find out where you're weak at and always try to work on that and develop that. I know Matt said something similar in a previous episode, but when I heard him say that, I'm like, I totally agree. Same thing for me. Like, I wish I wish I could have worked on myself better because I think where I am now as a person, I was not a good person back when I was an undergrad. I'm not saying I'm going out and doing bad things and getting arrested. I just feel like I'm so so much more grateful and so much better at listening now because I've I've worked on myself, and that's something that you just continue on every day throughout your journey. You know, through you know as a pre PT student through physical therapy school and, and even, you know, the rest of your life. And I think that won't only show up where you're at right now, but it'll show up in your relationships. It'll show up in your friendships. And th there's just so many things that it, it's important. So. And I think that's something that I didn't really realize was important until I was a physical therapy student in my last year. Um, and so you're giving, you're giving a piece of nugget, a piece of wisdom that is, that is not only going to help them as pre-PT students, but as physical therapy students, as physical therapists, and so on and so forth, uh, personal development is part of is part of really what helps us advance ourselves and and better serve those we need to serve. Right? Isn't that the whole purpose of being a physical therapist? Right? To serve our communities to the best of our abilities. And if we if we don't work on ourselves, then we give them half of what they really deserve, what they can really get out of us. Um, if we have reached that full capacity or if we're at least aiming for it by continuously and consistently working on ourselves. Joseph, another thing I wanted to add is, is to really make sure that I mentioned this a little bit before on this episode, but I just want to hit, hit on that point again, just really make sure no matter what, you know, say you're really interested in physical therapy, make sure you are passionate about it and you're passionate about going into this and helping people. Cause that's the whole reason, like you said, that we're physical therapists is we're serving other people and helping them. And if you're not interested in helping and serving people, this is probably the wrong field for you. And I would rather, you know, this podcast, you know, I, I mean, I want this to help other pre-physical therapy students get into physical therapy school and help them with advice. But if I can save someone 50, 100 grand, 150 grand, 200 grand from not applying to physical therapy school, that means just as much to me. And, you know, I, I want you to go 
to anyone who's listening, I want you to go into a field that you are truly interested and truly passionate about being in because you have what, 35, 40, 45 years of in the career that you choose. So I just think it's so important that you are truly passionate about it and make sure that it's what you truly want to do. Now, before I go into the last question, I kind of want to dig deeper into that because we hear that a lot. And if I put myself in the shoes of a pre-PT student, say uh, undergrad in college or something like that, what is, what is, how do I know if I'm passionate about PT? Like, is there any, is there any ways that we can test it? Uh, I don't know if we can just answer this in one episode alone. Uh, but how, are there any ways do you think that we can, we can verify that PT is the right career for us so that we have that passion or some sort of inclination to grow our, our interest into a passion so that down the line, we're not, uh, burned out or unhappy with the career. Cause I think in our groups and, and a lot of our followers that are finding us is that they are switching from other careers into PT because they are not passionate in their other careers. And they're like, wow, I see some physical therapists like Joseph and Andrew really loving their career right now and really loving helping pre-PT students and, and patients. And I like that passion. So how do I know if I'm, if I'm passionate about PT? Is there a way? Is there a way for that? To, to, give, to give an example, to answer your, your question, Casey, when I, I remember probably three or four or five different instances throughout my observation hours, my volunteer hours, whatever you want to call it, and then more confirmations when I was in physical therapy school and particularly off on my clinicals, because let's be honest, you learn a lot of material and information during physical therapy school, but where the magic happens is in those volunteer observation hours and those clinicals. That's, mm-hmm. that's where you see the real deal. So several instances occurred where I thought to myself that this is what I want to do. Like, this is freaking awesome. Just one thing I can think of is seeing a patient come in and they're like hobbling in, whether say they could be in a wheelchair, say they're using a walker or a cane or whatever. And they're like emotionally distraught and they're just struggling in life and they're down on themselves. And, and just seeing like patients come through where they can't lift their arm up, they can't move, they can't do anything. And then seeing a, and this happens so many times throughout my observation hours in my clinicals, but seeing them, grow out of that phase and just, you know, heal and rehab and just become a completely different person. And now they're like, Oh, look, I can play with my grandkids or, Oh, look, I can not, like, I can go walk my dog at the park or, you know, the things that that person wants to be able to do. I mean, that's, that's truly empowering. And to be able to empower someone else is, is something that, and to see that improvement, I mean, you, you can't place a value on that. That's, it doesn't matter how much money you're making, like that should be the the biggest reason for doing this, you know, for entering this field is to see those things happen. Like, like, I don't care whether I get paid 45 or a hundred thousand. It doesn't matter where I get paid. If, if I get paid less to, you know, to work, but I get to see things like that, that's where the true value comes in and choosing a career and seeing like these things happen. And, and that's, that's the, the like aha or like confirmation moment. So just on your internships, when you're seeing stuff or your observation hours, just, just pay attention to these things. And if, if you go through that same situation that I did and and you're like, wow, like that, that really just, that's special. Like, and I even at at some point, and I know this just being open and honest with you guys, like there were some points where I I literally got like chills, 
like literal chill bumps, like seeing stuff happen with patients. And then, and then there was even instances where I started to tear up because I was like, man, this, this is like, this is awesome. So if you start to see those things and see those things and those things happen to you, that's how you know you found the right career. So into, into, into my last question about study strategies, even in PT school and as a pre-PT, what did Andrew do to boost his GPA and to become the great physical therapist he is right now? Because you got to know your stuff. You got to study hard. You have to pass the national board exam. You have to get a good score on the GRE. Uh, so what did Andrew do? What worked for him as far as study? For me, it, it changed a little bit from undergrad to physical therapy school, but you know, I started off using more like studying on my own, doing more what they call passive learning, which is more passive learning is more like, you know, take reading a PowerPoint, listening to a PowerPoint, um, you know, writing on note cards and rereading them and memorizing them and, and trying to take in the material. Um, and then really, you know, cause that that's undergrad. It's, it's a lot different than physical therapy school, but once you get into physical therapy school, you know, you start learning a lot more actively and you start, you know, you work on cadavers and you're opening up the human body, seeing the muscles and you're, you're studying a lot more in groups and quizzing each other back and forth. I think, I wish I would have, you know, done more active learning in undergrad and even more in physical therapy school because active learning mm-hmm. has actually been proven scientifically in research, multiple research studies to, like enhance the learning experience and you retain the information. I think it's like 80% versus like 25%, which is insane. I think being an active learner and actually, you know, getting your hands on things, quizzing each other. And then now even out in the field, like, you know, getting your hands on a patient and going behind your mentor or on your clinical and feeling what the other therapist is feeling. I mean, I think all those different, just active learning, active learning. I think it's, it's so key. And that's really the biggest thing is, it's just learning actively versus passively. Golden, golden. Man, Andrew, it's been a pleasure having you on the Free PT Grind Podcast, man. Uh, I know we could keep talking uh, forever. I mean, <laughs> we got like a 40-minute conversation, and even before we started recording. So yeah. uh, we could talk forever, man. But thank you for everything you're doing. Thank you for uh, pushing our profession forward. Our, our followers will be looking forward to your podcast coming out. Keep an eye on it. Uh, where can they find you, though, before we wrap up? So that they can find me on, on Facebook is really where I'm active at. Uh, my name's Andrew Tyler. That's actually my middle name. I changed it a while ago. I don't know why it's that, but it's Andrew Tyler on Facebook. And then on Snapchat, Instagram, uh, sorry, on Instagram, you can find me at Andrew DPT. I'm mean, sorry, Andrew K DPT on Instagram, but most other social media platforms are all like Twitter and Snapchat are all ATK 0001. I don't know why I was that. That was the email from undergrad. <laughs> that, that's where you can find me at. And our um, Matt Hodgins and I are releasing a podcast um, here in the next couple of weeks or so. It's going to be called the Fresh PT Podcast. And uh, really looking forward to releasing that. And uh, man, I, I just have to say, like like you guys and, and what you guys are doing with the pre-PT grind stuff and, and really transforming that whole, whole process of applying to PT school and just helping these other students is just something truly special. So thank you guys. I wish I could have, I wish I had you guys when I was, you know, back in that time. So thank you for the kind words, man. Thank you. Thank you. You guys heard it here. The fresh PT podcast. You guys keep an eye out for it for when it drops. 
Um, Andrew, once again, thank you for joining us. It's been a pleasure. Uh, and for the listeners, you guys know where to find us. Uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, whatever, all Pre-PT Grind. On Facebook, it's The Pre-PT Grind. We have some crazy cool stuff coming up. Uh, so keep an eye on it. It's been a great time hanging out with Andrew. So we'll see you guys next week. Goodbye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Pre-PT Grind podcast. This is a part of the show where we support the people who support us. First, we'd like to mention Smart Success PT, founded by Greg Todd. This course helps you increase your value and build your brand as a physical therapist. What is Smart Success PT? It's an online course, lifetime access, that gives you step-by-step instructions on how to make more money as a PT, improve your worth to your employer, and gain more time for yourself and for your family by learning the most current leverage strategies as a physical therapist. It also helps you catapult your career, expand your network, and achieve your goals. So check out Smart Success PT. Next, I'd like to mention newgradphysicaltherapy.com in conjunction with covalentcareers.com. New Grad Physical Therapy is an online platform that offers you content with topics including careers, clinical skills, licensing, grad school, insurance, residency, and they even have an audio series to help you study. The parent company to New Grad Physical Therapy is Covalent Careers. This is a sophisticated web platform that helps PTs find the right opportunities and jobs after PT school. Their main goal is to be the champions for new grad physical therapists, helping them cross the void from student to new PT, especially in regards to career resources. They have tons of helpful content for both job seekers and employers. It is meant to inform both on how to identify what is the best match for both parties and to make that happen. The platform also allows you to start networking and communicating with potential employers well before graduation. It's a great way to explore employment options well before that stressful time of actually having to find a job. Sign up for your free profile at covalentcareers.com. Use my code CASEY2017. That's Casey2017. If you're skeptical on why you should use my code or anything like that, don't worry. It's just a way for us to track how well this message is reaching you. So sign up and I'll see you inside. Next, I like to mention fitbucks.com. F-I-T-B-U-X. This is an online financial platform that helps you map your financial future before, during, and after PT school. So go check them out. F-I-T-B-U-X fitbucks.com. Lastly, I like to mention healthsnaps.com. It provides video and messaging for you and your patient. Telehealth is here, telehealth is the future. Go check them out, healthsnaps.com. Now many of you may be wondering on why Pre-PT Grind is promoting things that seem unrelated to Pre-PTs. Well, that's where I beg to differ. These resources are very much related to Pre-PTs and their success. This is where Pre-PT Grind separates itself. Our goal is not just to get you into PT school, but our goal is to make sure you thrive once you're in and beyond. This is not a 16-week class that gives you a final exam, then sends you on your way. We have you set up all the way to the end of the journey. So stick with us, keep listening, and we've got you covered. Thank you again so much 
for listening to the Pre-PT Grind Podcast. We will see you very soon.